Good to see you all as always. We are going to be in James chapter 4 today, um, focusing primarily, <laughs> don't do that, focusing primarily on verses 1 through 10. However, to begin, we're actually going to back up and we're going to, we're going to overlap a little bit. So we're going to start in chapter 3, verse 13, and just make our way there. Can you turn me down just a little bit, please? I don't like hearing myself that much. Um, before we get started, though, I just I want to pray. <sighs> Father God, we thank you so much, Lord. We thank you for this morning to come together as one body, Lord, in the spirit and by the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that because of your sacrifice, you have already declared us holy and blameless before your throne, Lord, that you knit us together in your mother's womb, in our mother's womb, Lord, that uh, you ordained our steps before the foundation of the world, Lord, that you are the author and you are and will be the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. Father, we just thank you that all things are in your hand and your hand cannot be restrained. You are mighty, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. And Isaiah, you are called everlasting Father, mighty God, counselor, comforter. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're good and that you're here with us in our midst this morning. So I pray, Lord, that as we begin to uh, read and, and hear your word, Father, that our flesh and the desires of our flesh would fail, Lord, and that your spirit would rise up, that we would live in you, abide in you, and that you would speak and teach us this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. You know, really, um, the, the entirety of the Christian life can be summed up in that verse. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. In fact, really, that verse, James 4, 8, in some sense, is the gospel, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that because of Christ's sacrifice, we are able, whereas we were not able beforehand, we are now, the veil has been torn, we are able to draw near to God in confidence, in acceptance through the blood of the perfect lamb, Jesus. And we're called to draw near to him and his promises, as, as far as we'll go into his presence, he will come and we'll experience him in such a way. And day after day after day, God's heart is for us to, to know and to be known. It's very simple. It's very simple. Um, probably one of the more, more true statements of Christianity is that Christianity is not necessarily easy, but it is simple. It's simple. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so, as we discuss James chapter 4 today, the, the title of the sermon is God, Friend or Foe? And we'll, we'll see why here in just a moment. So begin with me, actually, in James 3, starting in verse 13, and we'll make our way to chapter 4. So last week, we, began, uh, we covered all of chapter 3, and we were talking about uh, teaching, as a gift and, and as a calling and the, the desire to teach, the qualifications of teachers, the pitfalls of teachers. And so we're kind of jumping back in the middle of that. But in verse 13, James writes, Who is wise and understanding among you? 
Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it's earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. It's peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Um. <clears throat> interesting we end chapter three which really this is all one letter this is all one conversation to the church we need to be reminded of that talking about peace and uh, that righteousness the fruit of righteousness in christ comes from peace and so i think it's interesting that we start chapter four with james immediately where do wars and fights come from among you and to just even to stop right there man we're talking about the church of the living god the pillar and the foundation of truth is what the, what the scriptures call us. And, you know, immediately I couldn't even get past this phrase, where do wars and fights come from among you? Like, he's not talking to the lost and dying world. He's not talking to people void of the spirit. He's talking about in the body. Where do fights and wars come from among you? And it's like, golly, we should, <laughs> I, got, I got through half a verse and my heart was grieved, like, why are they there at all? But in all reality, I mean, we are human. This is a fallen world. We still live in it. And um, in the church as a whole, in de- denominations, even in congregations, anybody ever had any experience of a little uh, contention inside of a body? Yeah. Yeah, okay. It happens, right? And so it's a very, a very real thing. But he's, So he's bringing this up. And he says, you know, these things exist. There's wars, there's fights, there's contentions, but guys, like, come on. Where does this even come from? And so far as I've been preaching through James, I've realized that there's a key word here in the book of James, and it's this word desire. Desire, 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 that James keeps coming back to. We, we looked at, I, I believe it was in chapter 2, um, that when we're pulled astray, when we're tempted and we fall into sin, it's, he doesn't blame the, de- the devil. He blames your desires, that you were led astray by your desires. And so really, so far, the book of James has more than anything been about the purity of heart, right? And in all reality, that's what we're talking about today. And, and any time we come in to um, study the word and we're looking at, yes, who God is, but also who are we in him? And how do we, as it says earlier in James, love our neighbor and fulfill the royal law? Everything always comes back to the purity of heart. Where are we in our hearts to the Lord? And as I always do, going back to the Beatitudes, there, there's, there's a promise attached to meditating and trying to purify our heart before the Lord. And does anybody know what that promise is? Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. And I really believe 
Um, that means here in this life and in the life to come. So where do f- uh, wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scriptures say in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I wonder, do we make God our friend or our, or our foe? You know, God is, um, God is for his people. Does anybody believe that? The Lord is for his people. He didn't, he didn't send his son in vain, right? However, the scriptures also tell us that he chastens those who he loves. He disciplines his children. And, you know, God is, is more concerned about who we are in the inner man. He's more concerned about the condition of our heart. Like he said, he gave Saul. He says, God, the Lord does not look at man the way man sees, but he looks at the heart. He's more concerned about the purity of your heart and the eternal place you'll have in his kingdom than he is about any of the circumstances of your life. God's gonna provide your needs. He knows your wants. Jesus tells us in Matthew that before you even speak a prayer, he already knows what you need. God is not unaware, but God is looking for a pure and a spotless bride, his church, to be presented in love before him. And yet very often, very often we, you know, we come into this experience with Jesus and our hearts are just filled with love and joy. And of course, you, you see this the most in kind of like the youth group, uh, youth group, uh, what's, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Summer trips, um, youth camps. There you go. Anybody in here ever been on a youth camp? The Colorado or something crazy? You know, I got to go to Colorado. Super cool. And so there's this whole aspect of people, they come and they experience Jesus in this strong way and they're up on this, this spiritual high, you know, and they're like, yeah, Jesus, woo! And then they come back into the normal routine of life, and what happens? And they just crash and burn, right? Uh, maybe not crash and burn, but that, that experience suddenly leaves, and it's like, well, what happened? Did Jesus go away? Is the Holy Spirit on vacation? You know, did he stay back in Colorado where it's like you can put your feet up? No. 
what happens, and, and this happens so easily to all of us, not just the youth, and it's, it's such a kind of a slow fade. It's something that we don't always necessarily see, right, is our hearts, we get into this place where our full attention is on the one who paid for us, and we're just enamored with his love, and then suddenly we just slowly begin to look away. And we stop thinking about the kingdom of God and we start thinking about the kingdom of me. We start thinking about our treasure in heaven and we start thinking about our treasure in IRAs, right? We, start, we stop thinking about the love and the unity of the spirit and we start thinking about the love and the unity of people agreeing with us. And there's this, there's this transaction where we begin to sell out are the love of Jesus, the abiding presence of the Spirit for our own ways and desires. And yes, of course, there are some who, who are enticed by very um, present physical things, drugs, alcohol, you know, all these opportunities, relationships, and they're drawn away. But even more than that, I believe a lot of times it's the subtle, unseen things that become the trigger, that become the hook, that pull us out of an, int an intimacy with God and therefore pull us out of an intimacy with each other. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? Now, it's interesting if, if we understand that we're still in this conversation that James is having about hey, I know a lot of you want to be teachers, but maybe you should stop and consider that those who teach are going to have a stricter judgment. Maybe you should stop and consider how dangerous and powerful the tongue is. Maybe you should stop and consider. He goes through this whole chapter on these issues, and he's addressing there is this desire for people to teach. There's this desire, I believe, and there could be other, other applications to what he's saying in James 4, absolutely, but I believe in some sense there's this desire of recognition, right? This desire to, be, to see and kind of to be in, in the spotlight and to have the, you know, you have this feeling of now I'm really doing something. And he says, do they not come from the desires for pleasure that war in your member. You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. Now, that should be kind of interesting wording here. I think, and maybe this was happening. I wasn't there, okay? James is not my homeboy. I never met him. But if these people were really murdering people, I want to say maybe his language and his epistle might be a little strong, a little more strongly worded, okay? But so much of James, and Pastor Mark even gave me this, there's like a whole like packets people have made on how the book of James reflects Matthew. Um, and one of the things that Jesus says there in Matthew 5 is if you hate your brother in your heart without a cause, you know what you've done? You know what Jesus says? You've already murdered him. You're guilty of murder before God because of the hatred and the contentions you've had against your brother unrighteously. If you call him a fool, there's this outburst, right, of anger and wickedness. You're in danger of hellfire. And so he says, you have these lusts, 
and you murder and you covet. You see these things and you want them, but you cannot obtain. Therefore, you fight and you war. Yet you don't have because you don't ask. Now, I'm going to tell you a a very, um, I believe, normal experience of the human life. Right after this drink of water. Give me just one second. So you gotta look, you gotta look for good times for things like that. It's called a comic relief. Okay, it's good. Can you hold that? I don't know about you, but I've had so many opportunities to chase all kinds of dreams and foolish things. And it was just such a big part of my life. Um, all these ideas I have. I still have crazy ideas that I just I just throw them away at this point. <laughs> but um, it's like when you see something and you want it, right? And you know God is not leading you that way, or, or maybe you're young in the faith like I was, and you're not really sure. You think, well, I'm not sure, but I re- I'm just going to go for it anyways. How, many of, how, how often do you actually end up with that reality in your hands at the end of the day? Never, right? It's, it's gone. You know, the book of Ecclesiastes, vanity, all is vanity, well, there's probably a better translation that would say it's like grasping the wind. You reach for it, and you're, you're trying to grope this thing, but it just slips right through your fingers, right? It's so temporary. It's so fleeting. Um, and so often we lust, and we do not have, and we, we set our minds on these things. Why? Because our desires have been drawn away. We've been hooked, maybe not by, by drugs or fornication, maybe not by anything physical, but just in our own estimation of who we are, of who we want to be, of, of the things we deserve, we suddenly begin to build this kingdom of self, and we, we do everything to get it just one notch higher. We do everything to, you know, I'm, you're not going to knock down my kingdom, and we see these things and we try to be them and we try to, we try to um, grab a hold of what God is giving someone else and then we wonder why am I not having it? Does anybody, just be, be honest, have you, have you ever experienced even a little bit of that? It's, it's reality, right? You got the same flesh and blood I do. <laughs> and it just slips away. Why? Because God is not going to empower you He's not going to empower you to walk boastfully against him. God actually opposes the proud. And I, wanna, I want you all to just really sink that in, to let that, let that understanding to come into that place in our heart, seeking what someone else has had, that place where we're so easily offended by what people say about us, what people think about us, when we're concerned about our status above or in comparison to someone else. All of that is pride. Pride always does the same thing. Pride always takes what belongs to God, the focus, the adoration, the worship, the glory, and it tries to give it to self. It tries to give it to self. Pride always does the same thing. And he says, man, you lust and you chasing after these things. You're even hating and murdering your brothers. You're coveting, wishing you could have it, but you can't obtain. You fight and you war. Yeah, you know what? You don't have because you didn't ask. And when you do ask, 
you don't receive because you ask amiss because you want to spend it on your pleasures. Spend it on your pleasures. I've seen, um, personally, I look at the transition of my prayer life and my faith life and just how crazy of a dynamic shift there's been over the years. And um, I was even thinking in, in, in a lot of different manners, like the other day when people talked about praying for the president and praying for your leaders, and obviously the scriptures say to do that. And um, being like, yeah, that's good. You know, maybe we'll go to this thing, we'll pray for them, and then we'll go home and back to our normal like prayer life. And, and um, I realized just how like faithless I was in that. It was almost like, I would have never said this. I never really believed this in myself. But it's almost like, well, yeah, if I pray right here, maybe something will happen. But, you know, he's out in Washington. Like, why am I going to pray for him? I mean, he's over there. Like, I don't know. You know I don't know if God has, you know, the uh, international data plan. You know, maybe he's not going to hear me. I don't know. But there was, there was something that almost like it didn't matter if it was over there. And part of it was, I think, just a lack of faith because today I see God moving in our country. I see God using Donald Trump in an amazing way. I see God moving the politicians and the laws. I see um, there's been a lot of talk about there's been this rapper named Kanye West who is like one of the most out there, ridiculous, like worldly beings in music industry who just radically got saved and released. He, instead of releasing the album that he was supposed to release, he just released an album called Jesus is King. And the whole album is just the testimony of Jesus Christ and his life, that he's going on strike against the devil. He's tired of working for him. You know, it's just, it's amazing. And, um, and, and so now I've, I have this desire. I know the power of God, and I know that when we pray, he hears, and he can answer. Regardless, in Kerrville, in San Antonio, in India, in Washington, right? But I also know that there is another side of it that really, I think, maybe just selfishness. You know, like, well, at the end of the day, that doesn't really concern me, right? I don't need to worry about voting or elections. At the end of the day, you know, that'll work itself out. It doesn't really concern me. And there's this, this place of selfishness, and, and a lot of the times the, the desires of our hearts and, and our prayer life is so much about me. And I'm thankful that over the years, the Lord um, is really good at just going... And smacking me around, and uh, thankful for that. And I've noticed recently what really gets my heart stirred, what really keeps my prayer life um, invigorated, is I have a whiteboard in my office, and I've got all the people that we're connected to in Kerrville and San Antonio and Corpus. I've got our friends, um, Seton Lee and and Tracy Dunn, I've got our, our, the people who have left our church and moved into Kansas and Michigan and all these people on this board. And I come in, the first thing I do in my office, I just begin to pray for these different people. And I'm sure I pray for myself. And yeah, I pray for desires, but it's so minuscule comparatively. And I've been seeing in the last couple of years just so much the move of God as I'm praying for things concerning his glory his kingdom, and the benefit of others rather than, be, rather than being focused on myself. And so many times we pray and we don't see because we're asking for things not to glorify God, not the basic needs of our life, 
but for our own pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity against God or with God? You make yourself an enemy. If you're going to stand for the things of the world, if you're going to try to stand with the people and the ways of the world, you have made yourself an enemy of God. And I'll just quick, won't, won't spend a whole lot of time because it's not the purpose of the lesson today, but um, there's this false view of Christianity that if, if we're just friends with everybody and if everybody likes us and we're super nice, somehow we're, we're the picture-perfect Christian. And I'm, I don't know, Jesus didn't look like that. So really, Romans 1.32 List all, you know, Romans 1 lists all the sins and all the things, including it says, and those who practice them, knowing, or knowing that they're deserving of death, not only do they practice them, but they even approve. They approve of these things that cause death. And when we partner with, with the desires of the world, with the passions of the world, with how other people are going to see us, man, maybe just temporarily, maybe just in a small way, I just want to let you know that in that heart, God is not your friend. <laughs> God is not your friend there. You make yourself an enemy of God, and God is going to come tear those things down, not to hurt you, not to destroy you, but out of love, so that you can be right with him. I did a sermon a long time ago in Blueprint about the veil being torn and how, how the Lord sent his own son and killed his only begotten son to tear this veil of separation between us and him. And I talked about how so often, because of our own desires, we build back up walls between us and God. And I remember just saying, if you think he was willing to sacrifice his own son to tear down that wall, you don't think he's going to come storming and knocking down anything you put up? Rather, it's a relationship, a dire, a, 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 a a relationship, a desire, a pursuit, anything you put for, before him, you don't think he's going to come and stomp that out so that that relationship, it's a loving heart, can be restored between you. Anyone with children, when they begin to walk astray and they begin, begin to not want anything to do with their parents, not because of a dispute, but just because their heart just want to go their own way, what parent wouldn't want to pray against all those wicked things, want to come in and, and just bring their children back home. Or do you think the scriptures say in vain that the spirit who dwells in, in us yearns jealously? God is a jealous God. And that's okay. Because he reserves the sole right of your heart and affection. You know, there is an unrighteous jealousy for sure. You know, the whole jealous boyfriend complex or jealous girlfriend problem. But no, no, no. God owns the sole right to your heart, to your devotion, to your worship, to your desires. And he's jealous for it. And because of that, he resists the proud. But listen to this. He gives grace to the humble. Wow. All right. And we're going we're gonna to come to the end of the sermon switching our view on that. What does it look like to humble our heart? If really all of these, pride, uh, all of these selfish desires is, is the result of pride, what does it look like to walk in humility? 
to walk in humility, right? Because as soon as we start seeking our own kingdom, our own ways, our own desires, I'm offended because I don't have, because they don't see me this way, because whatever it is, instead of understanding that we're servants of a good king, that we're collectively members of the eternal kingdom, we make ourselves king and our own kingdom. And do you think God's not going to wage war on that? There's one rule, one authority, one king of many crowns, king of kings and lord of lords. Jesus Christ is his name. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Guys, that, that statement right there, seven and eight, that's a command, that's a discipline where, where God is calling us. He's calling our heart back to him to identify and to lay down all of these things that so easily, all the weights of sin that so easily entangles us. If it's true, if you agree with me what I said, that there's sometimes this slow pull, the slow fade where our attention just gets shifted from the Lord, what is the answer to that? The answer to that is day in and day out, morning and evening, getting on our knees before the Lord and assessing our hearts and considering our desires, considering your motives, considering your contentions. Why are you angry with your brother? Is it because they offended you, because they didn't say what you deserved for them to say to you? So what? Isn't it better to be wronged in the name of the Lord? Didn't the king of kings deliver himself into the hands of his enemies and allow himself to be crucified and say, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they do? Do you think he was up there huffing and puffing and being all salty? That's a young in term, okay? No. He had a heart full of grace to forgive Submit your ideas, your passions, your plans, your grudges to the Lord. Submit yourself to God. Let him be the king he is, because he will be whether you like it or not. And resist the devil, resist the temptations, resist the accusations, and the devil will flee from you. You know, there's a, there's a very simple tactic that Satan has. People get free from something, they decide they're going to follow Jesus, they repent, they get baptized, whatever it is, and Satan just, he looks for, you know, okay, they locked the front door up, okay, they don't want me to come in, I understand, well, you know, they got a back window, it's all good, I'll just come in the back door, you know? Oh, you're not going to, you're not going to cuss anymore, that is so sweet, that is so sweet. Here's the alcohol, you know? Oh, you're not going to drink anymore, oh, that's so sweet. Well, guess what, all your old buddies, now they're smoking pot, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're pure before the Lord. Here's this beautiful man. Here's this beautiful woman. And so what Satan does is he, he comes in and he tries to tempt. And it's specifically in areas, if, when you have freedom, he's going to come back in that same way, way and he's just going to poke, and he's just going to prod, and he's just going to see what's going to happen. Is there anything to this shield of faith? Yeah, okay, I guess. I guess I better back up. But Satan does flee. 
And I've experienced it and I've seen it, that when people resist the devil, one, two, three times he comes. And then just like in the wilderness with Jesus, when Jesus combated him with the word of God, Satan flees. He flees when we stand on the name of Jesus. Now in due time, he might come again in a different area. Checking to see those windows still locked, you know? And he'll knock one, two, three. And when you say, no, 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 I serve the living God, he flees. Satan has no power over you other than what you give him. He's just checking to see if you'll give it. Resist the devil. Submit yourself to the Lord. And all these problems, all these desires, temptations, struggles, they're going to flee from you as the Lord enables you and empowers you as you keep your eyes on him. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's the answer to the desires of our heart. The more we get into the presence of the Lord, he is an all-consuming fire. And the more you spend time in his presence, the more any ungodly, any deceptive thing in your heart is just burned away. Cleanse your hands. Let go of these things that you know are against the Lord. Purify your hearts you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. If we humbled ourselves before God first, if we sought Jesus' kingdom first, if we allowed ourselves to begin in the presence of God and just abiding in his spirit first. These wars, these contentions, these envies, they would not exist. The Lord is calling us to be a pure body, to have a pure heart, to have a pure focus. And again, guys, it's anything you're dealing with, any, any um, situation of your life, any struggle, you're only going through what's, to, what's common to man, the scriptures say. And we've been talking, Pastor Mark or the, the leadership team of, of Faithful Fishers, we've been talking about the beauty of just being together as the church and just letting the Spirit uh, express himself through us to edify, to encourage, to, to bear one another's burdens, to lay hands on each other. And when we look like that, when we, we exemplify the person of Christ to the world. Satan has no place to stand. So let's just... Every, let's just make a commitment to humble ourselves before God, to examine our hearts each day, to let go of contentions, grudges, and to love others as we love the Lord. Can we do that? Can we say amen to that? Let's start right now. Father God, I thank you so much for your word, Lord. I thank you that every word, every letter is inspired and God-breathed. Lord, I thank you that you're using it to train us in righteousness. And Father, even this morning, I pray that if anyone has anything against a brother, Lord, that before they try to continue worshiping you, that the first act of worship is to go and to be reconciled. That if anyone would look at it, someone uh, in a way that they should not, to judge falsely, Lord, that you would just lift their eyes back to you and off this world. If anyone is consumed with worry, doubt, depression, 
concerns, Father, that you would just lift their eyes off of these things and back to you, Lord, that you've promised us that if we seek first you and your kingdom, that you'll add all those things. Father, I pray that you purify the desires and the intentions of our hearts, Lord, that as we draw near to you in prayer and in worship, Father, that you continue to draw near to us, that we know you more and more, and as the days unfold and as we continue to get closer to you, that all the weights and chains, they fall off in your presence. But Lord, help us not make that slow fade into building a kingdom of what we think we deserve, Lord. You laid down your worth, and you gave your life for those you love. I just pray that we would walk in like manner. So we glorify you this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.